3.17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my commandments, Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call your servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that is I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Our epistle reading is from 1 John 5, 1 through 6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. The word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. At this, it's at this point in the lectionary that most of us realize that the Apostle John is repeating himself. Love is God. God is love. Faith is love. Love is faith. Jesus is God, so Jesus is love. Faith in Jesus means faith in love and God. There's lots of love, lots of God, lots of Jesus, and they're all one and the same. Today's nuanced section goes a bit like this. If you believe Jesus, you are born of God. Perhaps a helpful English idiom to deal with this Greek one would be following in God's footsteps. A chip off the old God block. Apples that haven't fallen far from God's tree. Means children who are following their father. If you love God, you love the other apples that fell from the God tree. The other people who believe Jesus. And you show your love for others by loving God and obeying God's commandments to love each other. But don't worry, John says. The commandments are not hard. 
especially because if you are in this parade of people following in God's footsteps, this mess in the world isn't hard to rise above. Faith gets us through. Those who believe in Jesus can overcome the broken world. This all sounds very nice. But those of you who are really into logical arguments probably hate the first letter from John because it feels a bit like he's chasing his own tail. He keeps saying the same thing over and over, just changing up the word order a little bit. He relies heavily on cyclical arguments, ones where point A supports point B, but the point B is also used as support for point A. And he's kind of vague here in this epistle. There are no no concrete examples in this passage to rely on. This letter also does not do what every one of my writing and public speaking teachers has always said to do. Tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you just told them. Intro, body, and conclusion. John just seems to ramble about love in this letter. He would not have done well in debate club with this speech. But you can kind of feel where he's coming from, can't you? Clearly, this is something he's passionate about. And clearly, this is something that the people he's talking to are not picking up on. My absolute favorite video on YouTube ever is called Honest Preacher. My second favorite is called Rabarbababara. And it's absolutely hysterical if you speak any German. Probably just a bit confusing if you don't. But I've probably watched Honest Preacher 5,000 times, and I still die laughing every single time I watch it. The video starts innocently enough with a church service, but as he begins to preach, the preacher lets out a telling sigh and asks for a moment of diversion from the sermon at hand. And then he whines, You guys! The Bible says, be nice. So be nice. You're making me look bad in front of God. He flips a few pages in his Bible and says, Jesus said, stop it. And he rants like this for a little while as the congregants grow increasingly more uncomfortable and look around nervously at one another. After his rant, he calmly shuts his Bible and says the word of the Lord to a stunned congregation. I sometimes imagine the epistle writers in the honest preacher's voice. The people he is preaching to are clearly not getting it if he has to keep saying it time and time again. And it's pretty easy for us to think How dense were they that he had to keep saying love, love, love? I would venture to say that they were no denser than we are. We just have the historical advantage of seeing them in retrospect. Some of us just finished reading the Screwtape Letters this past week in book club. It was a great read, and we had some very powerful conversations If you've not read the Screwtape Letters before, Screwtape is a boss demon, mid-level management, sort of. And the book is a collection of letters that he's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, 
about how to get a man condemned to hell. One of the central themes of that book is figuring out love. The demons actually want to figure out love because they think it will help their cause to have a better idea of it and perhaps will even earn them their way back into heaven if they figure it out. But their problem with understanding love is that they're trying to understand it logically. And you just can't do that. The the Apostle John doesn't even try. Ultimately, in Screwtape Letters, the thing that saves the man Wormwood is trying to undermine is love. The love for and of his wife, a good Christian woman, and her family and friends, a loving, kind community so different from the rest of the world that Wormwood can even feel God's love radiating off of the dog and the cat. And the love of God, who eventually welcomes him warmly into heaven as Wormwood watches in horror. I'm very sorry if that's a spoiler, but this book is like 80 years old and you literally just missed a chance to read it with friends. But it's still well worth the read. Love does not always make logical sense. I would venture to say love rarely makes logical sense by the earth's logic standards. It is harder than it looks on paper. And we today are no different than the recipients of John's letter 2,000 years ago or Wormwood's target 80 years ago. We still don't get it all the time. We still struggle to figure out how to navigate it. Between the roundabout, here he goes again, nature of the first letter from John and our continuing failure to really get love. I'm very glad that this week the lectionary points us back to the gospel of John. This passage starts off sounding a little like the letter But then he gives a concrete example. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Cool. It's easy enough. I mean, it's a simple concept anyway. It's not always easy to do, but it's a simple idea. And this is the second time John has brought that up in the gospel recently. Has a very superhero jumping on the bomb kind of quality to it. It's really concrete. We can understand it even if it's not the sort of situation we're faced with regularly. So what's new in this passage this week? Joy. Finally, we've gotten to the new peace. Love, following God's commandments, following God, following Jesus, have the thread of joy, desiring joy for our fellow god followers. Remember that part about being able to overcome the world and how this isn't a burden? It's not just not the worst. It's not just okay. It's a joy. It's not just an obligation to show love for those around us and to love all those who also love Jesus, even when they infuriate us. It's our joy It's our joy to love one another through the hard times. Love is hard. Sometimes it means sacrifice, big sacrifice like laying down our life. 
medium to large sacrifice, like taking a difficult but compassionate job or volunteering somewhere difficult or going to another continent for a peacemaking trip. Sometimes it's the smaller sacrifices, like treating everyone around you with real respect or thinking about your economic and environmental impact on the world or researching the companies you patronize before giving them your money. Is that hard work? Yep, <laughs> usually is, but it's joy-filled work. Joy doesn't always mean happy. Joy means fulfilled. Joy means whole. An artist I love called Page CXVI in Roman numerals has a version of the old camp song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Only instead of that happy, clappy vacation Bible school version, she said it in a minor key. She slowed it down. And it's haunting. It's haunting and it's beautiful. I was in a seminar she was leading at a conference once, and she talked about how she wrote that arrangement when she was struggling with a particularly difficult bout of depression. And she didn't feel happy. And putting her faith in Christ was really difficult. And she didn't feel like she had the energy to love the people around her. She didn't even feel necessarily like she had the energy to receive love from the people around her. But she knew tapping into the joy that comes from living this out was what would get her through. So very often... Sacrificial love means listening to others in ways that help us know when to dial back our overt happy joy, to sit with those who are trying to tap into joy in the midst of sorrow or depression or difficulty. If you, dear ones, happen to be a mother who is being spoiled this weekend, I pray you enjoy it. Live it up with your sweet kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews. Joy is probably easy for you today when you are surrounded by obvious overt love like that. But I encourage you all to also remember that Mother's Day is a difficult Sunday for very many people. Some people have lost their mother. Some have mothers who are alive, but they don't have a good relationship with one another. Some are mothers whose children have died or become estranged. Some have longed to be mothers and have not become mothers for some reason or another. Some aren't the sort of mothers they'd hope they'd be. They don't fit the mom mold. Some have more fathers than mothers in their lives. Some people are lonely today. Some people are sad today. I know quite a number of people who purposely don't go to church on Mother's Day because it's too much. I know a lot of those sad people, and that's actually why in all my years of ministry, this is the first time I've actually talked about Mother's Day in a sermon, ever. I do think the only reason I've never caught flack for that is because since I'm a mom, I sort of get a pass on it. But I don't usually do it because I know how heartbreaking this day can be for some people. It's really hard to balance, way to go, fellow moms, with we are all an important part of the family, regardless of the parent-child relationship statuses in our lives. 
It's crazy to me that sometimes the things we do with all the love in our hearts can hurt others or make them feel like outsiders. I, for example, was a real dope this morning. I texted something to a friend that was meant to be encouraging, and it struck a nerve I didn't know was right there for them right now. But because of all the hard work and love we've put into the friendship, we were able to talk it through, and I was able to say, I'm sorry, That was a brash, stupid way of saying something I meant to be encouraging, and I love you. Funny enough, that conversation had nothing to do with Mother's Day, but you get my drift. Love means realizing that we're all feeling joy in different ways. Some are feeling the joy of a nice meal with family today. Some are choosing joy in the midst of hard times. But love is what helps us overcome those disconnects, and find joy together and share joy with one another, regardless of where we are on the happy scale. I think the reason John keeps harping on us about love is because there's so many dimensions to it. We could keep talking about how hard it is in so many different ways forever, but We're getting up to Ascension and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, and the focus is finally going to start shifting away from John's extensive treatise on love. But as we move into a new liturgical season, out of Easter and into the now what, remember, love is the foundation. Love is realizing everything we do affects the people around us. And that it is a joy, not a burden. Amen.